everybody. Welcome back to the Hyrith and Other Words podcast. I am your host, Timothy Mangle. And this week, we are in part two of our series called The Image We Bear. And this week, we're going to be talking about the body. Um, But before we go too far into that, I just got some stuff I want to say up top. And one of those things is simply, how are you? Yeah, I, you know, I, I say a lot in these podcasts that I feel like I always you know, dive into quickly or just start talking or whatever. And, um, yeah, I just, I just want to let you guys know that at home that I'm thinking about you, that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm, I, I want this stuff to come across well. And I, and I hope, you know, the whole reason I'm doing this is so that it hopefully brings some, some joy and some encouragement and some light to your life. And, uh, yeah. So if you're here, I just want to say thank you and I hope you're doing well. Um, yeah. And uh, the other thing that I want to say um, is that uh, I'm sure you're probably somewhat aware if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, but if you're not, uh, my mother, Margaret Kinsey, is a spiritual medium, um, a spiritual teacher, a spiritual director, whatever you want to call that, and we have a class together called the Spiritual Lifestyle Class. It's a once a month class, and for the longest time we've been doing it online, but starting next week on Wednesday, we're actually going to be doing it in real life together. We'll still be streaming it online, so if you want to watch it there, uh, if you are do want to watch it or if you want to come, you have to do that by signing up to our Patreon for our top tier Um yeah, and that'll get you access to a Patreon, um, to a Facebook group where we do the live streams, and also you'd be able to come to these things. So if that's something you're, you're interested in, if you've enjoyed my mother and I's conversations, our our energy, our spirit, whatever you'd want to call that, uh, yeah, and if you just want to join in on the conversation, we'd be happy to have you. We're going to be talking about uh, the importance of self-care and the importance of you know taking time out for yourself and taking a recess as my as Marge would say it um but yeah so we'll be doing that Wednesday at seven o'clock so if you're interested in that like I said you can either come in real life or watch online you just gotta sign up linked below all right so uh let's get into this thing shall we um but before we get too far into it let's kind of do a little bit of a recap and just kind of uh recalibrate what what it is that we're here to do so the series that we're going through like i said is called the image we bear and the name of that is taken from a bible verse that i read on the last episode which is from genesis 1 where it says that um god makes this very interesting statement where he says let us make uh let us make in our image, mankind. And in that statement, God uses plurals when he's referring to himself. And obviously, if you're from the Christian tradition, later we look back and we understand that is what is called in Latin, the perichoresis, or is what is called in modern times, the Holy Trinity, Uh, which is, if you're not too familiar with the Christian narrative, that is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So this series is kind of to unpack everything that I just said, meaning that if God is Trinity and we are made in God's image, then we too must have our own little Trinity. 
Um, yeah, and I can't remember if I said this yet or not, so I, I would just encourage you to go back and listen to last week's episode and also the episode, The Field in Which All Things Grow. Um, you can either listen to them or watch them, whatever. Uh, those things will kind of help you migrate through you know, this episode and other ones. Or hopefully I'll make this entertaining enough that uh, you can just watch this episode in and of itself. Um, but yeah, let's do a little recap. So last week we talked about the soul. And I, you know, okay, so I said that, you know, I'm trying to draw a correlation between the image that God bears of being one of three and one and also this image that we bear. And, and I understand that as the soul, the body, and the spirit. And those things kind of, you know, dwelling together, and that makes up what is the human being or, or you <laughs> listening to this at home. And, uh, yeah, so I just kind of wanted to use this as a time to dive into those things and kind of dissect a little bit, you know, what are they and, and how they reflect um, God and, and what we can learn through that and, and how we connect back to these different parts of ourselves. Now, last week, like I said, we talked about the soul. And in the episode, I equated it to, you know, the father aspect of the Trinity, really, um, like I talked about in the episode, the field in which all things grow, God is this in its, you know, in its, in its raw state and it's in its core of what it is. It's, it's ultimately infinite and it is, you know, it's all potential. It's all the, what could be it all. It is all of what is. Um, and that is akin to what the human soul is, is is it is there's a part of us that is infinite and you know is divine in nature and you know just how as I talk about how creation kind of grows out of the soul um the body grows out of our soul or I'm sorry creation rather grows out of God and the body grows out of the soul. And so, you know, you're seeing similar things happen there. Um, so I don't want to get too far into that, but but that's important. Um, but yeah, so the soul, you know, it's it's this infinite part of ourselves. It's it's akin to this, you know, infinite part of God. And yeah, so that's that's that image we bear. Now, the body. Uh, before we get into what the body is. I want to talk a little bit about what the body isn't. Now, um, I've noticed over my, you know, half a lifetime of spirituality or spiritual practice and that, you know, going from whatever I am now to a fundamental Christian and, and a lot of different things in between, I, I've seen a lot of, or seen something that is very common in, in spiritual people is this negative opinion about the body, or rather this ambivalence to it, or this kind of, you don't really know what to do with your body. Um, because, you know, when, when we have, when we have peak moments in our lives rarely are we ever thinking about them as related to the body those are peak moments of life are usually situational or some sort of amalgamation of you know whatever it is coming together all at the same time but usually a lot of our negative times in life comes comes close to being 
it, it has something to do with the body, right? So you think about death, you think about sickness, you think about pain. Those are all body things, right? And so I think it's very easy for the human mind to, you know, whether it be subconsciously or consciously, to gaze upon the uh, the situation in which the body finds itself and to see it as, you know, a negative one. Um, and again, because when we're in pain, when we, we have a stuffy throat or a stuffy nose or a sore throat, you know, it's it's easy to forget about the times when when they were fine, you know, and, and you just sit there and you're just complaining and you I want this better and I want this better. And it's it's a you're you're, you know, equating that situation with negativity and, and with negativity of the body as well. And so. You know, and again, a lot of our peak moments, they're they're very spiritual. They're very, you know, they're in the soul or they're in this, you know, heavenly realm they're feeling. That's that's what, you know, religious experiences feel like. And again, you you kind of, it's easy to forget the body in the midst of all of that. Um, when Christianity was in its early stages, there was a lot of debate over the importance of the body. Um there was two big groups in the early, 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 early Christianity. And there was uh, the Jewish Christians who would really be coming from the line that, that Jesus was coming from, Jesus himself being Jewish. And then there was also Greek and Roman Christians who saw the rabbi Jesus and really interpreted him through their, um, you know, Greek and Roman worldview. Um, they... And they brought into that this kind of uh, degradation of the body or this kind of idea that the body is just really this limited, you know, temporal thing. So why do you need it? Like, is it re like, is it really important? Like, did Jesus, like, was he, you know, and I, I can't help but think that that is just not right, um, that it's wrong and it's almost offensive to both God and the body. Um, it's definitely offensive to the body. God, I don't know how, you know, that's too much to say. Anyways, you know, I don't think the universe made a mistake when it when it gone through everything that it did to form a body. And like I said, I think we associate so much with, with the body, you know, it its ailments or its uh, limitations. But really, as we're kind of going to see here is that that's kind of its glory and that's kind of where we're it really fills in the gap. So, um, I kind of want to talk about the body in, th you know, three different areas. And that would be, uh, I want to talk about it in the divine aspect. I want to talk about it in the communal aspect. And I also want to talk about it in the individual aspect. Um, and then kind of just close it up with just kind of some encouragements of how do we connect with our body. So, if we're going to be starting with the body and kind of starting at the divine aspect of it or the Trinitarian idea of it or the, you know, that side of it and kind of working this way, um, I want to look at this Bible verse that is a, is a great Bible verse and it's, you know, I said last week when, um, or on the last episode rather, uh, that Genesis 1, I continually go back there because there's so much there. You know, it's it's one of our oldest stories, and it's the story of creation. It's the story of the objective reality being created. 
But the story that we're going to be looking at today, these verses are really about the creation of the subjective experience and kind of how that that happened over time. It's it's in there. It's not going to be you know overtly clear, but we'll break into it. So we're going to be going through some verses in John chapter 1. Now, like I said, John chapter 1 parallels this Old Testament creation account. This is a essentially a New Testament creation account, but it's not one of objective reality. It's really the subjective ex- experience. So, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything has been made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Skip down a couple verses, and it says, The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. So, there's a whole lot going on there. Um, And, I mean, I'm sure you find yourself being like, well, what is the word, right? So it says there, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and and the word was God. So this is where, you know, this is the first introduction in this gospel of the second member of the Trinity, being the Son. Um, And he is represented here as the word. Now, what is the word? Um... We, the word there in Greek is the Greek word logos. Now, if you look up logos in any Bible dictionary or any Bible thesaurus, or you look up this verse in any Bible commentary, and it'll have a hunking section of a lot of meat underneath it because this, this idea of the logos, it pre, predates Christian thought by a good couple hundred years. Um, so it's not just a solely... Uh, Christian idea, but it is, it is a, this 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 idea that rose amongst philosophers and theologians as they were having discussions about the nature of reality. They saw that clearly nature had a pattern to it, and that it it itself was working on some sort of mechanism that helped the whole thing kind of continually go forward. Um, and we see this with the logos because it's it's this. It's a, it's something becoming flesh. It's it's this this infiniteness being sucked down into finiteness, into you know, like I was talking about last week, with the soul essentially being limitless potential. The idea of the incarnated logo is a logos is the idea of that that infinite potential taking place as you know. It, as finite things as it's it's shooting up at what as whatever it needs to be um and again this is represented in in the christian tradition as jesus and whatever it is that that he was up to now so the logos it's like I said, there's there's so much weight to that word, and there's so much going on. But really, again, it's this idea of a pattern, a, a mode of 
you know, you'll always hear me say this is that there's a mode of being and that there's a pattern and that there's certain ways in which things play out just kind of naturally. It's, it's kind of like philosophical math or ethical math of if, you know, if you do this and this and then that's going to happen. Again, it's, it's this sort of pattern. And what we see in the Logos as it's represented in Christ is this idea that, you know, as, again, as I talked about last week with the soul is, you know, God is represented as this infiniteness. And then Jesus here is represented as, you know, that infiniteness becoming limited. And, you know, I, I love that for so many reasons. Like I said, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of this amalgamation between um, the subject or the objective reality being created and the um, subjective reality being created. But also there's this idea within um, Jewish mysticism. It's also, I, weirdly enough, in some parts of Protestantism, uh, more towards the Calvinistic leaning people or, or people who believe a lot in predestination. But there is this idea in the human, you know, zeitgeist that really there is two gods. And, you know, and again, there's that Trinity idea of, you know, God exists as this, you know, infinite oneness, but also has fractions kind of within that. Um, and this, this idea is that, you know, the, the two God idea is really this idea of that there's a, there's a known God and that there's an unknown God. And, you know, it's, that's really, it's really easy to explain that because, Clearly, God is infinite and almost by definition beyond the ability to cognitively comprehend that reality. It's just too much. And that would be the unknown God or that would be akin to the soul because even the soul is something that is beyond touching. It's beyond words. I mean, you can, you can touch the soul, but it's beyond holding. It's beyond being able to contain. Um, and then... On the opposite side of that, you have the known God. You have the God of which you can define, you know. So in Christianity, in many religions, they have, you know, God is this way. Reality is like this. And, you know, a lot of that comes at the end of a lot of, you know, pontification or wisdom or contemplation. Um, usually those things bring about those revelations. Um but they are ultimately just temporal and dependent upon your time in in, in history. Um, because, again, God ultimately does reign as, you know, transcendent above everything and, and transcendent above all categories, yet integrates himself into all things. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing that God isn't just, you know, above and outside of and completely confused and, and separated from reality but that through reality itself we are able to you know understand and and know god and you know so i i really do love this image that's played out in the in the parallels between john chapter one and, and genesis chapter one because again as I, I talked about a little bit earlier is you have god existing as the father which is this you know infiniteness this you know all potential and Oh boy, I forgot. Yeah, so you've got existing as this infinite potential, and then you have 
the creation growing up out of that, right? And then you have the soul of the individual and you have the body growing out of that. I know I talked about this earlier, but this is the importance of the body because the body is really growing out of, you know, if, if you think about the soul as if you were to have the infinite field of God and you were to divvy it up between the entire collective of human beings, each one of those persons, each one of those fragments would have their own soul. And now this is a very Celtic um, belief, but they believe that the, like I said, that the that the body grows up out of the soul. Just like I said, as akin to creation grows out of the phenomenon of, of God or the infinite aspects of God. And so you think, so think about it this way. Think about, you know, as God is dividing itself up and, and fracturing and, and becoming all of these limited things, the the potential the the infinite potential that existed in the you know the the oneness of the the field of God it it fragments into these you know slight potential or you know these smaller versions of the infinite potential, and that is us and that is what our body is and there's a you know there's a huge reason that. For forever, people have equated, you know, with how our body was made with, you know, our task here or what we're supposed to be doing or even our history. You know, people read palms and that's our history written on our hands, you know. So our body definitely has some sort of, you know, coming out of that infiniteness to a certain limit of potentials to see what it can do in that now. When I was talking about the logos, I said it was really this idea of, you know, embodied wisdom. This is, it's what the kind of logos builds to. And in that verse that we read in John chapter 1, it says that the, the logos is the light in which enlightens all men. Now, that is, you know, the idea of becoming enlightened or, or whatever that state is. It's the embodying of wisdom because, you know, wisdom is, it's different from knowledge, right? So knowledge is more akin to a spirit. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's, you can't, you can only really hold it if you write it down. Um, it's kind of like in the ether, it's, it's a spirit. Um, like I said, we'll talk about that more next week. But wisdom, wisdom is, it has to be embodied. It has to, you know, go from, um, theoretical to actually implement. So, you know, you think about Jesus being equated with the logos, and what did Jesus do? Jesus came forth, and he, um, you know, he walked the center path. He he tried his he did his best to walk the straight and narrow. And ironically enough, that looks like death and resurrection. It looks like this, you know, I want to say trying and and trying and an error in rising up out of that, you know, because think about, you don't gain wisdom by, again, wisdom has to be something that becomes, becomes embodied, and I'm thinking about a, I've said this on the podcast before, and I'll say it again until the day I die, because it's brilliant, but there's this Jewish mystic um, proverb, or question, or whatever you want to say, but it's, what does a being that is all-knowing and all-powerful in all places lack? Limitation. Now, and that's the answer of that. It's, it's limitation, you know, because, you know, 
if God is truly all things, or even if he's in all things, then he can't just be in this, God just can't just be this giant pile of allness or just whatever, but God needs to be, you know, there needs to be that fraction so that it's it can be understood and that it can be learned and that there can be this forgetting and this, this like I said, this limited state in which that limited state, you know, the fullness of it all comes together. And there's this verse in the Bible where it talks about Jesus. I believe it's in Colossians where it says that the fullness of God was pleased to be to dwell bodily in Christ. Now, I want you to think about that. Now, and think about that in relation to what I said earlier about how most people kind of view the body. They kind of view it as this bad thing that's happening, you know, just around them or whatever. But you see this in in Christ in this Bible verse that, you know, God was pleased to dwell fully into this body. And boy, you know, you got to give the body some credit for its ability to do such a thing. And not it's not just that it's, you know, and again, going back to John 1, that the logos that, you know, this, whatever this is, this aspect of God that was desiring to become embodied, its, its whole purpose in doing it was to enlighten, to show man the light and to show mankind the light, to show women the light, to show everyone, as it says, you know, the light. And we only really see the light when we dive into darkness, right? You don't get to see the light by just dwelling in it because it doesn't become this other thing. It's just, it's a part of your isness. But part of the beauty of the body is the fact that it's, it's separate, it's, I don't, I don't want to say separate, but it's, it's, it's fractured, it's limited, it's small compared to the, the big you know, it's, it's the son is a small fraction of the father. That's why they use that imagery. Now, you know, there's an argument to be made that it's, there should be feminine in there and whatever. But for what we have at the moment, when we see this notion of God existing as Trinity, is God existing first as this infiniteness, but then that the body has to come along to be this thing that kind of end caps it, right? You know, if, again, if you're thinking about God as this infinite pool of water, in order for there to be sort of any, you know, real lived experience or any drama or any wisdom learned, that those pool needs to be divided off and it needs to be forgotten that it's a part of the larger thing. You know, it needs to be walled off and then broken down. And that's that's really the experience of that we're here to participate in. That's kind of what the body is here to do. Now, I feel like I kind of skipped over the communal aspect but it's you know there's a verse in the bible where paul talks about you know the body of christ and and the 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 body of christ motif is something that comes up pretty often in the new testament and a lot of people these you know christian these days they equate the body of christ to just people who are on the christian path but for me it's really anyone who's trying to embody wisdom and Again, wisdom is just how do you move through life well and how do you, you know, not just well for yourself, but well for your family and well for the people around you. And that's what true wisdom really is, that it's there's no harm done in it, that you've you've been able to move forward without feeling like there's been, you know, malintent or anything like that or like you tricked anybody, but that you were wise and you knew how to migrate the thing well. And, you know, 
you can say whatever you want about you know uh, you know you got to believe this religion you got to believe whatever but realistically at the end of the day that's you know that's what we're trying to do in these bodies is trying to move through and you know do the things that we're here to do so there's this bible verse where paul says you know the foot can't say to the hand i don't need you and just as the eye can't say to the ear i don't need you it's it's all one it's it's all part of this larger thing I think that's something that we really need to understand. You know, it's it's a beautiful thing about the body. It's a beautiful thing about how the world is set up is that there are other people out there who are different from you, but yet they belong into this larger body of, of Christ or this logos or this embodying wisdom of God. That's what, what you know, every, any Hispanic, any Asian, any Caucasian, any African-American, any person that has ever taken embodiment as a human being is here participating in the body of christ you know we we're the body of the thing that holds the infinite right so it's you have in the body the infinite soul coming down into this limited potential and again that's what you see with jesus and that's why he's representative of you know because and when i look at the you know the figure of jesus in the trinity i see it as what we are to become and, and our future hope and our future glory and that's you know it's because we went from that place into these bodies to go through whatever it is that we're here to learn and then to to end up on the other side and i'm saying we as a community again so it's even there god is showing its trinitarian nature by not just being like i made one person that looks just like me but god in its infiniteness said I'm going to make people in my image, but they're going to be, they're going to be brown. They're going to be tall. They're going to be short. They're going to be, you know, gay. They're going to be in love with, um, you know, the same or the opposite sex, whatever it is. There's so much variety of life. And to say that there's just one way to do it or that one people are right or that you should just be a hand, you shouldn't be a foot, like, it's obnoxious and it's just wrong empirically because there's not just one type of tree. There's not just one type of bird. And that's, again, it's the beauty. It's, it's, it's the beautiful thing about embodiment because you can see these infinite fractures of, of God all being unique, but also a part of this larger pattern that we're talking about. And that's, that's found in the human being, you know, and, and man, going a little bit down into the individual now is you, you think about your body is here for you. It, I mean, it is you. It's a part of you. You know, some people, it's so easy to think about the body as this other thing that's going on, especially in the in the midst of all the craziness of life. But it's it's not. It's here. It's this thing. And it's it's this beautiful meeting together of the objective reality and the subjective reality. And again, I think that's intentional of why John wrote the first chapter of John the way that he did to show that in this logos coming forth that there is this meeting together of you know the objective reality which is God and the subjective reality which is the soul and that's those things meet together in the body and like I said your your body knows what it's here to do you know like for me personally like I always ask the question like did I choose to be artistic did I choose to be musically inclined or was that rather something that my body chose for me and you know is did I only end up in this body to do that task because of 
you know, whatever task that I had been set on to be here, whatever wisdom I had been sent for to try to embody? And the answer is yes, of course. That's why, you know, whatever it is, whatever, or at least that's the hope, right? That you can kind of latch onto this idea that, you know, wherever you are and whatever you're doing in this incarnation is what you're supposed to be doing. It's what your body was made for and it might fail and it might get sick, but that doesn't mean that your body doesn't have a purpose in being here because clearly it does because you're here in this body. Um, yeah, so how do we how do we connect with our body? Um, I think, like I said at the beginning, people don't really like to think about, they don't like to feel the pain of their body. I think when a lot of people want to connect with their body, they think about, you know, eating or um, sex or whatever, just these kind of like these, you know, base level pleasures. But, it, you know, the body is so much deeper and, and so much more complicated than that. It's, you know, you think about there's a there's ways to think about art as these, you know, songs or pictures or paintings, or whatever they exist in the, the ether. And they're finding they're looking for a way to come through and the way in which those things come through is the body so again it's not just about feeling pleasure in the body but it's using the body to create and to manifest the things that you were here to do but also it involves feeling pain and I know people don't like to hear that chiefly being the man who's sitting in this very comfy leather chair uh, obviously I don't like to suffer nobody does but I think the pushing away of suffering is what makes it worse than it really is um, something that I've learned really through meditating and through fasting, fasting more so than meditating, is that when you intentionally take on pain, and I'm not suggesting you go out and do anything stupid or do anything to hurt yourself, but I'm, you know, sitting on your butt meditating for 20 minutes, that hurts your ass, <laughs> you know, so it's a way to do it. You want to feel your tummy rumble, don't eat for two days, um, and, you know, don't just do that because you're a psychopath, but do it because you're trying to grow and understand that, you know, you can you can teach your brain to have a response to pain that isn't automatically woe is me. But you can you can have compassion for yourself. You can have compassion for your pain. You can see why it's there. You can see why it exists to point you in a, in a proper direction. One of the biggest things, you know, I you know, hunger pains, they're not bad. It's. It's the lack of food that's bad. Hunger pains are actually great because they're making you aware that it's like, hey, I need to eat. This is, you know, come on, like, get going. And it's, you know, and we we see these things in the body and we think that they're bad. And they're not. We just need to learn to have our perspective on them be different. Um, so, yeah, I would just encourage you find ways to become embodied that are both pleasurable and painful um, or enjoyable or not so enjoyable. Um, yeah, because, yeah, the pushing away of it isn't going to make it better. It's not going to make it disappear. You know, pain will still exist whether or not you want to embrace it or not. Um, so you either have to learn to deal with it or you don't. And there's a lot of great ways to learn to deal with it through fasting, meditating. Yeah. I mean, listen to your body. It, your body knows how it wants to deal with pain. So learn to listen to it. That's another thing that can't be understated about the goodness of the body is the fact that it's on your side. It wants you to be fed. It wants to get good night's sleep. That's why you get tired. That's why you get hungry. 
It's because your body wants to take care of you. And again, that, that's just reflective of the deep, deep goodness of God that's embedded into everything. Um, but yeah, we're, we're coming up on a close now. So really, guys, I, you know, if I could just wrap all this up, the body is really this, this thing that exists to be limited. And I know we don't like to hear that, and I know that we don't, you know, we want to be immortal, and we want to not have to deal with pain and suffering, but we're here, and we have pain and suffering. Um, and I don't think pushing it away is going to get rid of it. Um, I also want you to remember that wherever there is diversity, wherever there is individuality, wherever there is uniqueness, where the, wherever there is similarity, wherever there's patterns, um, you're seeing the body of Christ. You're seeing the logos. You're seeing embodied wisdom. There's an infinite amount of ways to live and to, to walk through life and to move through life. You can move through life as a bird. You can move through life as a plumber. Those are two very different things. And yet they all, I mean, you. I mean, not even to say of the infinite universe that we live in that could have infinite numbers of entities and beings which all represent another aspect of God that is beyond our comprehension because we're not embodied in those bodies. We're embodied in these bodies telling ourselves these stories and the stories that are, we tell ourselves help form the reality that we're experiencing. Um. I feel like I should just say it, but I love your body. It is a special, special, special gift. Never once in the history of reality has somebody had the same body that you do. That's an amazing thing to think about. 13.6 billion years, nothing has ever been like you. Nothing that you know about. The thing that you ride around in, this this beautiful thing, it's it's sacred, it's a gift, it's it's holy. You know, the word holy means set apart. What's more set apart than the fact that you have a body that is like nothing in an infinite universe? Think about that, friends. The that thing that you're wearing, it's it's a good suit. <laughs> all right, everybody. I think that's all from me. Um, we'll be back next. Uh, two weeks from now, we're doing these episodes bi-weekly now, but um, we'll be back next time talking about the spirit to round up this trilogy, the image we bear. All right, friends, thank you so much for sticking with me. Uh, if you've made it into this, we're almost 40 minutes into the episode. I know we've gone longer on solo episodes, we've gone shorter, but really, realistically, guys, if you've given me 40 minutes of your time, I mean, if you gave me 30 minutes of your time, if you gave me 10 minutes of your time, it's more than enough. It's more than that's, you know, it's too much, but I really appreciate it. You know, it's, it's a crazy thing to think of that people listen to the words I say for 40 minutes. That's, that's bonkers. But, uh, yeah, my, my deepest prayer for you is that you can see how beautiful your body is. And I just ask that you would love yourself and that you would love, dang it, that you would love your neighbor as yourself and that you would love yourself. Good night, friends.